You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose podcast. For more sermons and content, go to sojournmontrose.com. Coming to the conclusion uh, of the sermon series that we are now in, entitled Sinners and Saints, in which we've been sort of walking through the book of Romans, and um, we, are, we are at sort of the, the penultimate sermon, meaning next week we're, we're going to finish up, but... Um, we are in a portion of Romans in which we have now seen throughout the body of the work of Romans that, that it's in Christ that we have been given righteousness, so not obtained it, but have been given righteousness through Jesus, and that through this gospel message, through this good news, um, that we will actually be delivered to God holy and blameless. Like that's what Romans 8 is all about when it says that those who he calls, he justifies, and those who he justifies, he glorifies. So we have this sort of great promise of God laid out for us over 11 chapters that states our identity, that if you claim the name of Christ, that if you call Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, that all of those things are true of you, that you are justified, that you no longer have to strive for approval because you've been given approval by and through Jesus. And that that promise, that that decree that has been spoken over your life will come to pass, that that is true, that you will be glorified, and that there's great confidence then for the believer to be able to say that all things that happen to us are for our good. Right? So we've, we've discerned that, and now really we've moved into a portion of the text in which Paul has told us who we are, and now he's going to tell us what we do in light of that. In essence, the gospel is not simply something that is passive, but rather it's an active agent in our lives, meaning that uh, it, it can't sort of be consumed or just assented to mentally, but it's something that drives us to act differently. Okay, and so the last couple of weeks we talked about this idea of love, how the gospel propels us to love in even the way we behave morally and ethically. And so the temptation was the past couple of weeks to look at Romans as simply a list of things that we must do in order to obtain God's favor. But the fact of the matter is we saw that in those commands, we're simply living into the identity that has already been given to us in Jesus. And right now, we are at really what is Paul's final plea for the, for the letter to the church at Rome. And it's, and it's this plea, it's this sort of final thing that he desires for them, that he wants for them. He wanted them to understand the gospel. He wants them to act according to the gospel, live in light of the gospel. And now, this final plea, these last two sermons, are that we would live in unity. That we would be united by that which is what unites us, and that we would not be divided by those things which are, are, are neutral or really not of any consequence. So he's telling us, be united, major on the majors, and minor on the minors. That's what this, this whole um, sermon is about. And so uh, the, the sermon is entitled, Our Spiritual Worship, um, Unity and Diversity. And there's really three things or, or, or three people that I'd like for us to look at. And so if you're taking notes, these will be the three points. The, the first one is the weaker brother. The second one is the stronger brother. And then the third one is the kingdom brother. So uh, weaker, stronger, and kingdom. So let's start off with the, the weaker brother. Now, um, if we 
As we read in Romans 14, or as Gavin so diligently read through the entire chapter of Romans, um, what we begin to see is that Paul is contrasting really between two groups of people that are present in this church. Okay, and, and so all we need to do really is have a look at what we saw earlier in, in Romans. And that is that there are two people in this church, two groups of people, two kinds of people um, that historically had no reason to associate. In fact, had more reasons to, to disassociate, meaning they actually kind of didn't like each other. So you have the, the, the Jew, right, the, the one who is not, not just ethnically but religiously a part of the, the nation of Israel, the, the people of God as the Old Testament would put it. And then you have the, the Gentile, the people that are outside of the covenant, the Greeks, the Romans, the, the essentially what we would call pagans of the day that had converted to Christ, right? So you have these two groups of people that for centuries had been told we're different and we're just going to ignore one another, that now Paul in the gospel is saying, you are one people. You're one people. And so when Paul uses this analogy of the weaker brother and the stronger brother, he's talking about one of those two different groups. He's, he's, he's going to compare and contrast them for us. And what we'll quickly begin to see is that although there's a negative connotation to the idea of the weaker brother, we'll see that it's actually the, the stronger brother that's probably equally, if not more, at fault in who Paul is calling out here. So um, the weaker brother, why are they weak and who are they in this context? So again, Paul talking to two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles, the weaker brother is the Jew. And let me, let me tell you why. Okay, the, the, the scripture tells us here um, that the weak person only eats vegetables. Now I'm not... I'm not condemning anyone in here. We have some great vegan people and vegetarian people that come to our church. That's not ultimately the issue. But what the issue is that Jews traditionally over the thousands of years of their history had not only a moral and ethical law, but a dietary law which they followed rigidly to, to a T really. And so they were not to eat meat that was sacrificed to idols. They were not to drink wine Right? They were to sort of keep, keep themselves pure, keep themselves holy in that way, to distinguish themselves. Right, And so here's why they're weak. Not simply for doing that. But what Paul says is ultimately that what they're doing is they are still holding on to their tradition in hopes that that might sort of continually gain them favor before the Lord. So what Paul is saying is, look, here's why you're weak. You're weak mainly because you are regressing in your faith, right? The, the gospel of Jesus, as he so eloquently put it all throughout the book of Romans, is that we cannot obtain for us a salvation. That as Joseph said earlier, that none of our good works add up. In fact, all of our good works make for a pile of something that is really just kind of filthy and gross. In fact, Romans 3 tells us that we're altogether worthless, that there is none righteous, not even one. And so what Paul is saying is, look, you, you're trying to hedge your bets. You're saying, yes, I believe in the grace of Jesus. I believe in the mercy of Jesus. But just in case, I'm going to sort of continue to do these things. So that's why, that's why they're weak. But, but it's not because they're weak that Paul is rebuking them in this text. 
Like, you, you'll notice that, right? He, he doesn't say, you're weak, and so you're not a true follower of Jesus. What, what, what he says is, is, you're weak, but here's the issue, right? What does he say? Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, so they're weak because they're holding on to their Jewish traditions out of a conviction or a belief that these traditions still had bearing on their eternal destiny, but they're rebuked by Paul. They're being taught by Paul that judging fellow believers, the strong, the other ones, the people who do partake in these things that they felt like they shouldn't, that in judging them, they're actually sinning against their brother. <coughs> right? So here's, here's what he's going to say. He goes on to say in, in verse 10, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? So passing judgment, that's what the weaker brother is guilty of here. That's what the Jews are guilty of. They're passing judgment on their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ because they're not holding up to what they perceive to be an important moral standard, meaning they do eat some things and don't eat some things. That's, that's what they're saying. Right? So they're pronouncing a truth about their brother's eternal destiny, right? saying you're condemned because you do these things. And Paul says that that is wrong. And what that means ultimately is that the grace of Jesus and its implications have yet to break into every area of their life. That's why they're weak. But here's what Paul is telling us throughout this entire text, and this is going to kind of drive uh, the rest of the sermon this morning, and that is that there are some things, brothers and sisters, that are morally neutral. Morally neutral. Now, a lot of us like black and white, right? We want to know, is it wrong or is it not? And if it falls in that camp, that gives me the opportunity to say, essentially, we, we like to build our own checklist, right? And again, we start to try and sort of build up our own Righteousness, But what Paul is saying is that there are moments, there are times in which the scripture is what we would call gray or morally neutral. And what Paul says is, let not, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. So he's saying, look, what you eat doesn't matter anymore. He goes on to say later on in the text that I am convinced that everything is clean. Unless, of course, to that person it is unclean, at which point it becomes a little tricky, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But so here's, here's really what is wrong with the weaker brother, beyond the fact that they're trying to build their own righteousness and the fact that they are judging their fellow believer in an area which the Bible doesn't speak on, in an area which the Bible says is morally neutral, in, the, in, in a portion of the Bible which, which Paul says... I'm convinced, I'm utterly convinced as I write this scripture that there is nothing that is unclean in terms of eating and drinking, right? So that is, that's essentially what's happening with the, the weaker brother. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to draw out of this, and this is going to be kind of an aside. So if you're following along, um, note-wise, this might be a little bit frustrating, but this is for free, uh, okay? So, um, but just know this. Number one, uh, there there is a difference between rebuke and judgment. Okay, there's, there's a big difference between rebuke and judgment, and we see this in the way Paul writes here. Okay, because what, what Paul is writing right here to the weaker brother, and we'll see soon also to the stronger brother, is a rebuke. 
he's telling them, look, here's, here, 